here with us. Uh, I just love, I don't know if you guys get to see all these youth that are walking out there. So um, love you guys. Have a good morning. Uh, we'll be in here. Um, you know, one of the things, as we get ready to go into our time of teaching here, um, what we like to say here in Discovery, what our, what our mission statement is, the whole reason that we exist, uh, is that we exist to meet people where they are and lead them uh, to be disciples, to be followers of Jesus who make disciples and more followers of Jesus. Um, but a very key thing that, that we love to focus in on is meeting people where they are. Uh, as I know... Um, you know, we come here into a Sunday morning with lots of different things on our, our minds, on our hearts, uh, and sometimes we can just kind of get into the songs, get into announcements, get into the message, uh, and we just kind of uh, go from there before we know it's over and we go. But um, I just want to begin this morning um, with a word of prayer for us, um, that God would come, that he would meet each one of us where we are, because he knows uh, he wants to minister, he wants to lead us uh, in ways that only he can. So uh, let's pray, church. God, thank you for your grace, and no matter what this week looked like for us, you have uh, invited us to come uh, to this place. Uh, not only are the doors of this theater open, but uh, God, you have opened your arms for us to come to you. God, thank you for meeting us in worship, just the thing that, that songs, as we sing uh, together, um, begins to open our heart and minister to, to us. Uh, God, now as we open your word, um, we want to hear from you. We want to receive from you. But uh, God, sometimes there are things that are blocking our minds, things that are distracting us. God, I pray right now that those things would just flee and we would be open to your word. God, many times there's things that are, are clouding our hearts that are, that are weighing us down, whether it's been this week, whether it's been the months, maybe it's been the years that have been long and hard. God, I pray that right now um, you would begin to clear the fog uh, and that you would minister to our hearts in a way that only you can. God, you know your people. God, I know some of the things that we're going through, but you know them all. You know each one of us, and you have called us to be here, God, because we believe you want to minister to us. So God, continue your work. I pray that your spirit would come in this place. I pray that I would be a spirit-empowered speaker of your word. Uh, God, I pray that each one of us would be spirit-empowered hearers of your word. As we sit in your presence, Holy Spirit, we welcome you uh, to come in this place. Jesus, may you be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen. It was uh, 2000 when uh, I moved here from New York to uh, California to start graduate school. Uh, I was in the ecology graduate group. I had just graduated from undergrad uh, in New York, moved across country. And so I, I was 21, starting my uh, graduate school program, fresh out of uh, my studies and undergrad. Uh, it was my first semester, or first quarter here at UC Davis uh, in uh, grad school. So any first kind of quarter grad students out there? there. There's some of you. I see. I, I hear, hear you. Feel your, feel your pain there. And I was uh, being kind of young and fresh uh, out of college. I, I was in grad school with some people that had been around the block a few times. They had uh, worked for maybe 10, 15 years out in the field. Some of them had already gotten their master's degrees. And now we were all going for our PhD. So a lot of them had experience. I remember sitting there uh, in uh, this ecology class in this top uh, program here in, in the country and just feeling overwhelmed, hearing people people discuss, and uh, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, these people know what they're doing. Uh, they, they've got it all, all together. And in uh, the first midterm was coming up, midterms, anyone? Yeah, you're out there. I know I went to Starbucks yesterday and just full of all of you studying there and uh, digging in. 
I remember that first midterm coming, like, man, I don't know how I'm gonna do in this. But I, I got an A on the exam. Um, me who had kind of no experience with this because I'd sat down with the books and I had studied and I got all this knowledge and I began to be perplexed as uh, the, those who had been out there who had the experience. Um, they were telling me that they got, you know, C's or uh, even less than that on the exam. I said, how can this be? You see, I was somebody who was uh, pretty good at, at the book knowledge thing. I, I can, can put it in my brain, I can spit it back out and our school systems... Right, they reward people who take tests well. They, they reward people that can study and memorize and then put it in, while sometimes those of us who are practical do not do uh, as well. Sometimes our church systems do the same thing, where for those who know it all, those who had memorized the verses, those who had put the time in the books, come out with it, and hey, they're the ones that are elevated uh, upward, where sometimes just having knowledge does not mean that we can put it into practice. And the reality is, for many of us, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit here, that can become our experience, where we know all of the words, we're gaining all of the knowledge, but the real question comes down, are we able to put it into practice? Are we able to live it out? Are we not only able to come uh, to church and read some scripture and say, okay, I get it in my mind, but are we able to live it out in our lives? Does it sink deeply into our hearts? Now, we are here in the midst of a series. This is week four of our Unleashed series. We're talking about the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit, and we're learning lots of stuff. Hey, we're here Sunday after Sunday, and we're opening the Bible, and we're reading passages, and we're getting concepts. We're going to our discovery groups, and we're discussing some more. We're clarifying some of that knowledge. Uh, many of you are doing your daily reading plan on the app or with that bookmark that we gave out, and you're reading day after day scriptures, and you're getting them. Uh, we're handing out additional resources like what is the Trinity, and we're learning kind of big words and these big concepts. Uh, many of you are even putting in your questions through uh, the app, which you can continue to do because you want answers to the questions, but... As we gain all of this knowledge, at some point we have to ask, is it becoming reality in our life? Are we doing more than just learning a lot, but are we beginning to live it out? And so as we reach week four here, the reality is we don't just want to build book smart people here. That's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We want to be people that, yes, get the knowledge but then can also live it out. You see, the, the reality, kind of a big picture concept for how we follow Jesus is this. Information alone does not necessarily guarantee transformation. We can go through our life uh, of church stuff. We can sit here in this series and we can learn a lot, but are we learning to live it out? So here at Discovery, we want to make sure that we live it out. Today, we're talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's one thing to know that the Holy Spirit is present. It's another to dwell and live each and every day in his presence. Today we're going to end up doing things a little bit differently here. Um, where we're going to leave time to practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. To sit in his presence. I'm going to teach for a little bit here. And then we're going to leave some more time for worship. Where we can just uh, sit and dwell in the Spirit's presence. And see what he comes and how he wants to minister to us. Um, but for, we're going to get grounded in Scripture, 
And, and then we're going to uh, continue on from there. Today, as we get grounded in Scripture, I'm actually going to take us to the Old Testament, um, to the book of Ezekiel, uh, which uh, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, not a whole lot of us uh, spend our daily readings in Ezekiel, so it's okay to use the table of contents if you want. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we want everyone to have it and find it, so uh, you can put up your hand. One of our ushers will bring you uh, a Bible. It's on page 613. Um, in your Bible will be in Ezekiel chapter 36. Uh, since you may not be familiar with the story of Ezekiel, I need to give us a little bit of, of background, a little context here. Now, in the Old Testament, you see at this point, Ezekiel was a prophet. At, at this time where he ministered to God's people, the nation of Israel, Israel was in exile. And see, they had lived hundreds of years in disobedience to God's commands, going wayward from him. And so God finally said, okay, I'm going to let the Babylonians come. They're going to take you off uh, to their land so that you kind of learn this lesson. So when we pick up the prophet Ezekiel, that's where the people are. God's people are in exile, um, away from the land of Israel. Now, this is a huge, huge deal. Uh, because uh, in the Old Testament, God's presence had descended into the city of Jerusalem into the Jewish temple. And so God's people had to go to this temple to experience God's presence. And so now they are away from the land, hundreds of miles away, and they have no idea what to do. Not only are they uh, slaves in exile living in a foreign land, but uh, all that they have known to access the presence of God isn't available to them. God had not yet given them any other way. And so they're saying not only are they in rough times, but they're hopeless because they have nowhere to go. But in the midst of that, God speaks to this man, Ezekiel. He's, he's just kind of a, a young guy, um, minding his own business, going down to the river with the other exiles. And God gives him this incredible vision. You can read about Ezekiel 1 if you want. We're not going to go there today. It's a vision of God's glory that actually causes him to fall down in the presence of God. But then God says to him in Ezekiel 2 verse 1, God says to Ezekiel, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. Now, we've talked about this. This is another example where the Holy Spirit of God comes onto a person in the Old Testament for a purpose, for a time to carry out God's uh, will. He wasn't present with everybody everywhere at that time. And so the Holy Spirit comes to Ezekiel and sends him out to share a word with God's people. And this is the word that we're going to pick up in Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel speaking God's word, prophesying to the exiles. God's people in a place of discouragement in a foreign land. Ezekiel 36 verse 24 says this. God speaking to his people. I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the countries, and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Things are bad. The people are suffering their consequences of brokenness. 
God speaks a word of hope to them, and he says, I will. He begins in verse 25, and he says, I will cleanse you. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, from all your idols. I will cleanse you. God speaking to the people that are so wrapped up in their sin and in their brokenness and chasing after idols. God says, all that in the past, I will cleanse you from the guilt. I will cleanse you from the shame. Now, for those of us who uh, follow Jesus, we, we may make the connection that one day God did actually send his son Jesus to go to the cross to cleanse us from all of our sins, from all of our unrighteousness, all of the ways that we had disobeyed. He sent Jesus. And that's the fulfillment of what God said he would do. Verse 26, he says another thing. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. We're talking a lot about the spirit here. So we need to recognize, if you're looking in your Bibles, you recognize that this is a lowercase s. Okay, this is not the Holy Spirit. This is uh, kind of like the spirit that we have. You know, when we go to a football game and it's like, yeah, I've got spirit. Yes, I do. I've got spirit. How about you? That, that type of thing. That's that kind of spirit, you know, where we kind of get up in our souls, up in our heart. What kind of spirit do you think the people of Israel were experiencing? Far from home, in a foreign land, discouraged, depressed, hopeless. How are we ever going to get out of this? We can't even worship our, our God, anybody that wanted to. But God comes to them and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift you up. I'm not going to leave you in this place. I'll put a new heart, a new spirit in you. And he says in verse 27, I will put my spirit, capital S, within you. God speaks to them and says of a time when the Holy Spirit would come. See, they already knew about the Holy Spirit. People like Ezekiel, that had been happening uh, with uh, several people. They, they could read their scriptures and hear about when the Spirit came on somebody, but most of the people are sitting there and say, that's not me. We talked about this last week. Uh, how the reality of the Spirit now coming on God's people is that he comes to everybody. And God said, I will do this. I will put my Spirit within you, all of you, my people. I'll put my Spirit within you. Even though they knew about the Holy Spirit, now God is saying you'll experience him in a new way. And when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit is within you, God says, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You see, that was the problem, the whole nation of Israel. They could not possibly do it. That's what most of the Old Testament shows us is that, okay, they would try their best. They would go through all the emotions, but then they would utterly fail. And we know this feeling in and of ourselves, in our own power. We can't get it right. We continue to fall into sin. We keep doing the same things week after week. We fall short. God says, when my spirit comes, he will cause you. You're not going to do this on your own, but I myself will do a work in you, causing you to walk and follow my ways. And we talked about this last week, how the Holy Spirit gives us the power when we're weak and where we're weak. He gives us the strength to be strong to walk in the ways that he has for us. But church, it doesn't stop there. See, very often we say, okay, we gotta do things for God. God's whole purpose is that we can do more things for him. And so I need to go through all these things and do, 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 do. 
Yeah, yes, the Holy Spirit does come to help us walk and follow Jesus and to, to do some things, but it doesn't end there. Look at what else he says. God ends by saying this, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. See, God doesn't just stop with saying that you're gonna do stuff for me. He says, we're gonna be together. It's about relationship. And when the Holy Spirit comes, not only does he give us power to do stuff for God, but he is the very presence of God. That for all of those things, the, the brokenness that we experience, all that, that history that we've gone through, God says, when my spirit comes, we'll be in a relationship like never before. It's not going to be, I'm in the temple, and if you come too close, you're going to get struck down. He says, it's about relationship. And God, later in Ezekiel, through Ezekiel 39, he says this, I will not hide my face anymore when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel. This is what the Lord declared. That to a people who were downtrodden, to a people who were discouraged, to a people that were far from home, who were feeling cut off, who were feeling weak, God speaks to them and says, it will not always be like this. I will, I will, I will, I will. And then one day, Jesus comes and we begin to see the beginnings of this relationship because uh, as we've talked about in this series, the Holy Spirit came and fell on Jesus, even though Jesus is God, the son, uh, the, the second person of the triune God. Jesus surrendered himself and carried out his human existence through the power of the Holy Spirit. We read about that in the Gospels. The Holy Spirit descended on him. He lived it out. And not only do we see miracles and, and healings and uh, incredible authoritative teaching, we also see that Jesus lived every day in presence with his Father through the Holy Spirit. His disciples saw this. Luke chapter 11 some of the disciples were seeing Jesus pray. It says, Luke 11, verse one, now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. You may be familiar with this passage. It goes on into the, the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus gives them a model. But it wasn't about needing the words to pray. See, the disciples were good Jewish boys growing up. They had plenty of models to pray of the religious leaders that would stand up and give these eloquent prayers. They knew all the words, but when they saw Jesus interacting with his father, they said, there's something different and we want some of that. They yearned for the presence in the way that Jesus walked in the presence with his father through the spirit. They yearn for that. And if you carry down through that passage, verse 13, after Jesus says a lot of things, he says this to them. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And once again, very often we take this life of following Jesus and we make about, okay, I need to do all of these things. When God is saying, I want to give you my presence. I want to give you my Holy Spirit. Ask, receive. We carry on the story to, to after Jesus goes to the cross and raises from the dead, he, he goes out, um, he ascends, he sends his followers out. 
Uh, Acts chapter two, Peter stands up and gives a powerful sermon. And this is, and it's kind of some wild stuff going on there, speaking in tongues, uh, things that are just kind of making people wonder. And Peter speaks a sermon to, he says, uh, this is what God declared long ago when he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And we maybe get caught up in that stuff and we're gonna talk about that. But the key thing I wanna get to is that God promised that he would pour out his spirit on sons and daughters, men and women, young and old, all who would believe and trust in Jesus. We miss that, that God poured out his presence, his powerful presence on his people. And Peter ends up telling them, repent, be baptized every one of you, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. That means that the promise is for us. That God promised that he would pour out his spirit, his power, and his presence upon his people who would trust in Jesus. That he would, yes, through the cross, he would take away our uncleanness. He would give us forgiveness of sins, but he would give us more. That he would give us his spirit. And that we need to know that this is for us. As Peter continues to preach Acts chapter 3, he's telling another crowd, and he says, Repent, therefore, and turn back from the way you've been going, so that your sins may be blotted out. We love that. We love that. That's the good news of Jesus right there. That's the gospel, that wherever you have been, no matter what you've done, the sacrifice of Jesus was enough. In his blood, he covered your sin. He took your guilt. He took your shame. We proclaim that. But he doesn't stop there. Repent, therefore, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Are we experiencing those times of refreshing? See, the truth that we we grasp, okay, this is what we know in our heads. We've been talking a lot about it. You could probably fill in the blanks on yourself or like Tim said, you could cheat using the app if that's what you want to do in church. (laughs) But the, the truth for today is that God is powerfully present in every believer of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Okay, we, we've, been, we've been hidden that. You know that. You've heard that. You could have filled in those blanks. You, you know it. You probably believe it. But today, are you experiencing the powerful presence of God in your life? I know as we walk through this time, I'm struck by kind of the conversations that we get to have with many of you, that we're hurting We're lost, we're doubting, struggling, depressed, anxious, feeling like God is distant from us. And while we, while we talk about these truths and, and we preach these truths and, and many of you say, yeah, I, I believe that. Why is our experience so, so different it's often what happens when our experience gets different and, and we feel lost, wondering, doubting, broken. We start putting that on God. We say, God, why are you so distant from me? 
God, why are you not ministering to me? When, as I look through the Bible, one, one thing that, that we have to understand, it, you cannot read the Bible and, and feel like, like God is pulling himself distant from us. When he says that he, he wants to dwell with us, when he sent his son to do that, when he has sent his spirit, poured out his spirit upon us. So because we believe what the Bible says, and as we grapple through this, think like what what are what are the roadblocks? What what are the things that, uh, as I look, church, want to I want to minister to us in our brokenness so bad, and God wants to. He's a loving heavenly Father who wants to invite us to come. Well, there there are some things that that get in the way. And I would say to us that, that there are things that are on our side, whether they're things in our mind or things that are in our hearts or things that are in our life that keep us from experiencing what God ha- has poured out to us. He is not distant. He is not hard to find. He, he is uh, welcoming you to come. So what, as I pray this week, what are some, some of the things that may get, get in the way? One of the things that, that I think often gets in the way for us is that we associate God's presence with a feeling. That when I feel good, God must be present. When I don't feel good, he must not be present. I'll be honest with you, I feel God's presence a whole lot more when my New York Mets are winning. (laughs) I just feel a whole lot better in my spirit. God must be present. Why is it that all the winners always thank God for what they did and the losers... Do not. I know kind of maybe just a, a funny little illustration, but for us in our lives, when it comes down to circumstances, when things are up, uh, we're feeling like God is working. When things are down, we feel like he's not. What this truth uh, tells us is that God's presence is a fact. It's not a feeling. God has told us that if you are a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present within you. He has promised us that as we glorify Jesus, In this place, as we come together as followers of Jesus, he is present in this place in a very powerful way. It's not whether we feel him or not. Uh, Look at this illustration. We we have a truck that, that pulls a trailer each Sunday morning that unloads all of the stuff here. Hey, there, there's a pickup truck that, that pulls this trailer, and uh, the trailer does not just show up here on its own as much as uh, maybe we would like it to. If any of you happen to have a pickup truck, uh, talk to Paul Bulwer after he would like to talk to you because we need people to pull that trailer because what we know is that the trailer does not run on its own. The pickup can run on its own. Now, if we picture the pickup truck as the fact and, and the faith that we have in God, that, that can run regardless of whether the trailer's hooked up or not. If that trailer is the feelings that we bring with us. Now, many of us are trying to drive our life by feelings. And so we keep kind of reaching out saying, if I can just get a, a little bit more emotional. But we're emotional beings, some of us more so than others. And, and so we like to kind of stoke those feelings. Uh, here's, here's the reality. When we are walking in faith, when, when we show up expecting God to work, when we walk in our life, expecting God to be present and understanding his presence, the reality is the feelings come. You, you know this, if you've ever not felt like serving 
and you've shown up uh, just out of faith. And you experience what God does there. If you've ever gone on a mission trip, if you've ever looked at and said, I don't really feel like uh, loving my spouse or uh, doing what God has called me to do in this moment, the feelings show up. But they don't run our lives. We can get ourselves into trouble, church, if we go just by the feelings. Because many of us will just pursue those things that stoke our feelings a little bit more, miss out what God is doing in our lives. Some of us may even begin to question whether God loves us or whether we're followers of Jesus because we're not, we're not feeling him right now. now. I want to assure you that if you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ, whether you've been feeling the Spirit or experiencing the things we've been talking about right here, if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are, yeah, you are saved by his grace. And he has given you his Holy Spirit. Now, there may be some things going on that we need to, to look at why you're not experiencing him some more. Another thing that I, I think we fail to grasp um, and understand is that the Holy Spirit does multiple things in our lives. Yes, he, he is the comforter. Uh, he comes to bring peace, but he also brings conviction and he brings counsel as well. Jesus said this when the Holy Spirit would come. John chapter 16 says, when he comes, he will convict the world, um, including us, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. He wants people to come to know him. He continues to say, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The, the Holy Spirit comes as the, the comforter. We're gonna talk more about that in a minute, but we need to know that he has a multiple work. He comes as the comforter, but he doesn't always come to make us comfortable. You see, he has a work of convicting as well to bring us into line with what Jesus has for our lives. He has counsel for us so that when we are uh, in the midst of our mess or in the midst of our brokenness, that he counsels us, not just to comfort us in the middle of our mess, but to counsel us. You see, Jesus came and he called us to follow his path rather than our own. It's a path that brings us to hope and joy and peace. It is a better path for our lives. And the Holy Spirit does a work to bring us there. And sometimes we're not in line with that. And so he will comfort us. I mean, many of us show up here on a Sunday morning and we've felt lost in our brokenness and sin again. It's been one of those hard weeks. And we'll come, we'll take communion in a little bit. And the first thing that we'll feel is the, the weight of our sin. The Holy Spirit will come and he will comfort us and give us the peace of God's grace there to not leave us lost in but He'll show us the truths of Jesus and he'll comfort us, but then he will also counsel us in how we take steps forward to not stay in that. Now, the reality is, and some of us need to really know this in our heart, is that the Holy Spirit does bring peace. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
The context there is that he's talking about all kind of the religious activities, the eating and drinking and how they do the meals. But he says the the kingdom of God is not ultimately about the eating and drinking. It, It is of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so while we go through the, the, the things that we do, are you experiencing peace in the Spirit? It's kind of like checking our gauges. And, and if something's wrong, if we're not experiencing peace, the Apostle Paul said we are to be content in all of our circumstances. That's what Jesus does, that he is an anchor for our soul. And if we're not experiencing that, well, we, we might want to check the gauges there a little bit. Because the Holy Spirit does come to bring peace and something incredible happens. Because sometimes it's not a result of our own sin that God wants to correct. Sometimes we've been sinned against. We are just experiencing like those exiles uh, back in Babylon. Just experiencing the, the discouragement of life. The result of years and years of brokenness. We're in a broken world. And it is in those times that what it says in Philippians 4, 7 that as we see God, that the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding beyond our circumstances. The time that I experienced the peace of God the most was uh, when my father-in-law died about 12 years ago. My wife um, grew up in a non-Christian family. We didn't know where my father-in-law was at, and, and he had been diagnosed with lung cancer, and then he, um, he ended up dying just about 11 days after that. And we, had, uh, we were on our knees in our bedroom, my wife and I, and we were, we were praying there in New York. We were over here. It's all we could do is pray, and we prayed to God. So we don't know where he is. Tried to reach out. He's already unconscious. Uh, I couldn't tell him anymore about Jesus, so we just prayed and prayed and prayed. In the midst of praying, we got the phone call. He's gone. I'll tell you, all of the anxiety, all of the feeling, like, was just washed with the peace that surpassed any understanding. None of our questions had been answered, none of our wonderings, none of our anxieties, but God came and he ministered in a powerful way. I don't don't know what that that peace was about or what leads it by. He gave us peace. He just ministers to his children sometimes when we need him most. He wants to minister us in his presence. One final thing I want us to grasp before we go into kind of practicing this presence is that we need to know that there are opposing forces to the Holy Spirit. Number one opposing force is your flesh. The Bible teaches us, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, that the desires of the flesh, those things that we want, those things that we crave uh, in our sin, are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. It speaks to this opposition that sometimes we get in the way, that the Spirit wants to work, He wants to lead us, but we have these cravings, we have these idolatry, we have these brokenness, these things that we reach on for, so we don't let the Spirit work. Rather, we crave after these other things, the desires of our flesh. There's something more that is sometimes scary to us as Christians, but we do not need to be afraid. It's that the reality is that we are in a spiritual battle, that there are spiritual forces in this world, and not all of them are out for your good. The Holy Spirit, he is out for your good. But Ephesians chapter 6 teaches that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Some of us may be missing breakthroughs with the Holy Spirit because we are experiencing spirits of discouragement, spirits of depression, spirits that are opposing his work. Sometimes it's our flesh. Sometimes there are other things. But what we absolutely positively know is that God is not distant from us. He is not leaving us in our discouragement anymore. He has poured out his spirit so that we don't have to go to a building or to a particular place, but he is present in and with each one of us. And so, in that reality, many of us showed up this morning still feeling discouraged, still feeling anxious, still feeling depressed. And you're looking for things to do. Another list of things to do. When most often God's word, I think that it's already been done through Christ. God has already poured out his spirit. and We are to allow and let him work. One of the, the biggest obstacles for all of us is that when God is trying to work in our lives, we don't let him. We're too busy. Life is drowning things out. And we expect God just to speak into that, kind of like a little, you know, fast food window Holy Spirit. Give me a little comfort on the Sunday morning so that I can keep going, 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 going. When God would say, give me a little time. I want relationship with you. I want to sit with you. I want you to let my spirit minister to you to do whatever work needs to be done. Some of you are here and you need to be comforted. You need his peace in the midst of the storm. That's where we're going to begin. Just kind of sitting in his presence. In the midst of that, the Holy Spirit may convict you of some things. He may counsel you some things. But the first thing we want to do is just quiet ourselves and sit. I know that your weeks are full. Mine are too. You've come to this Sunday morning. This morning, we're going to end a little bit differently. We've still got a half hour left. Roly's going to come up here, and he's going to begin to play some music. And we're just going to sit. Some of us will be very uncomfortable in this quiet. Some of you will be distracted. I just want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to work. Be aware of him. Be aware of his presence. Invite him to come and move. We're not going to do what we usually do. Don't come take communion right now, okay? Don't even come for prayer right now. We'll lead you when the times are for those. Right now, I just want us to sit in his presence. Let's close our eyes. Let's quiet our minds. Let's quiet our souls. And God, Once again, we have a lot of information. A lot of things to process through. A lot of things to think through. But God, in this time, in this place, we just want more of you. You promised. And God, this morning we, we claim your promise. We reach out for you. We want to surrender the, the just doing things on our own or just even doing things for you and just be with you. 
We want like the disciples asked Jesus. We want that relationship. God, many of us, maybe this morning we don't even, there's so many other things that we want in our lives that we haven't even thought about wanting you. That the God of the universe offers us relationship, transformational relationship, and that's where the difference is. Jesus, we, we want you. Holy Spirit, we want more of you. We welcome you to come to do your work among us. Lord, let us be silent as you work.